Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. we encourage you to be a part. We're excited to start our Unite Prayer and Worship Nights back right here at Faith Assembly on Wednesday, July 22nd, starting at 7 p.m. in the sanctuary. We hope you decide to join us for this awesome night of ministry. Well, good afternoon, everybody. It is so good to see you here on a Monday afternoon of all times during the week. Uh, for Faith Assembly Church to be coming to you now via live stream. We are so excited for the wonderful technology that we have that makes this possible. You know, however, we are coming to you, as I said, on Monday afternoon, and that may seem like an odd time, but uh, we had such a great time here in the live in-person services yesterday, and we got so much positive feedback from the message that the Lord uh, gave us and birthed in our hearts to share with you yesterday, with our church family yesterday, that, um, you know, we, we just felt like that we had some technical breakdowns yesterday and we weren't able to bring you that whole message yesterday. So uh, we got together today and said, you know what, what's wrong with going live at 2.15 on a Monday afternoon to bring a word of encouragement to the body of Christ? And we're praying today that this is going to be a wonderful word of encouragement for you and that you are going to be blessed. Even if you were here yesterday, we pray that you will be blessed again today by the encouragement of the word of the Lord because honestly, Quite honestly, this message that we shared yesterday uh, is actually a word that I need every day, every day of my life, every day that I get up. So here we are today. Our media team has operated with resiliency, and they're coming back. You know, I think uh, maybe we should add a couple of things here. The blessed are the flexible, because they shall not break. And uh, blessed are the resilient because they'll figure out how to get it done. So we're figuring out here on a Monday afternoon how to get it done with you and how to bring you a word of encouragement today. If you're with us today, why don't you just drop in the chat right now and just uh, give us a comment. Let us know that you're there. And uh, I tell you what, I don't have a large crowd here with me today, just a small production team who's here with me today. So I need you to holler back at me today via the chat, and if you will, uh, just, just let me know that you're there. Let me know the Word is ministering to you and encouraging you. And um, so I want to share with you a message today that I've entitled very simply, just never give up. Never give up. And, uh, you know, as I was... Uh, Pastor Lisa and myself, every year, we, we set our hearts to, you know, understand what the Lord is speaking and how he's directing for our church and specifically how he wants us to lead. And all the way back in 2018, uh, we began to seek the Lord and say, okay, God, what do you have in store for us in 2019? And in 2019, the Lord impressed upon our hearts that the theme for that year was to be moving forward. And we spent a whole year, and man, God blessed, and our church made great strides 
in 2019, we saw just the Lord just sent us laborers and people to work and, and uh, increased attendance. I mean, the favor of God was just prevalent. So at the end of 2019, we set our hearts again to just get a direction from the Lord and to understand exactly where he was leading and where he was prompting. And you know, it seemed like every time that we got down to pray, we just never could get away from that message of moving forward. So we started, started reflecting and saying, well, God, what are you saying to us here? As we go into the year 2020, what are we, how are we supposed to lead our church? And what is the message for Faith Assembly Church? And, you know, so often, so many of, of our, my contemporaries and colleagues, you know, of course it's 2020, so the obvious thing is, you know, we're going to have a theme about perfect vision. And, you know, honestly, I, I think that is probably more uh, telling and, and everything than we may have thought it was. Maybe it just seemed like a play on words. But I do believe this is a revelatory year, a year when, when we are getting a clearer vision than we've ever had. We're seeing things now about uh, how things that we read in the end times or about the end times can be brought to pass in the current context. And, and our eyes are just being opened to so many things. Hearts are being revealed and we're now able to see with a greater clarity. But as for us at Faith Assembly Church, it just... It seemed like that the, the word of the Lord to us continually was still that, still that message of moving forward, moving forward. So we just added a little uh, intro line on that, on that theme, and we said, hey, we can't stop and we won't stop moving forward. We're going to continue on that forward trajectory. And now fast forward, here we are three, four months into a global pandemic, uh, we have uh, unrest in our nation like we haven't seen in several decades and uh, it's just, man, so many crazy things that are going on all around us and we just feel like that today is a day and an hour for the church when we need to be reminded to not give up. Child of God, today I'm here to tell you I'm not even going to worry about spoiling the plot of this message. I'm here to encourage you today to never give up. Whatever you're walking through, whatever you're surveying as you look around you that speaks of defeat, that speaks of anxiety, that speaks of terror, I am encouraging you right now in this moment, never, never, never give up because our God is an awesome God. He is an all-sufficient, all-powerful God. And if he called you to it, he'll see you through it. So don't give up. So let me just tell you a little something here. Uh, some days, you know, I am absolutely sure that the devil is trying to destroy me. I, I am just absolutely certain that, that all of hell's arsenal is aimed at my life. I am so sure and convinced that, that I just have a target on my chest and all, everything that the enemy can bring against me is coming against me. And it's, it's, it's hard and it's difficult. And I just, I feel, you know, like woe is me because I just feel so attacked and I feel like the pressure is just there and it's so real. And, and you know, then there are some days that I am sure that the enemy has just taken a step aside and he's just watching from the sidelines as I do a sufficient job of hindering myself. 
In other words, he doesn't need to hinder me anymore. I'm doing good enough on my own. I don't need any help. I am oppressing myself. I am hindering myself. And I want to ask you this, this afternoon to our online viewers, those of you that are joining in, let me ask you this. How many of you are like me and you can say, hey, Pastor Steve, I have done foolish in volumes. Y'all, come on, come on, help me in the chat here. If that's you, just say, hey, Pastor, you, you hit me, man. I'm, uh, that's me. I have done foolish in volumes. I have done foolish uh, so much in, in my mind personally. In my mind, at least, I have a very healthy manuscript of everything that I have ever done wrong. Every mistake, every misstep, every miscalculation, every mishandle, every bobble, every bumble, it's all in my head and it plays on a constant loop. And if it ever stops, the enemy comes along and pushes the play button again and walks away and I'm just left there with all those misgivings and wrongdoings playing over and over in my mind again and again and again. And in the middle of all of that, in the middle of all of that long record of so many things that I've done wrong, as the accuser of the brethren comes against me, laden in all of those things are so many reasons why I am convinced or could be convinced that I should just quit. I should just give up. I should just turn back and, and, and let go because I, I know that, that I have every, I have failed in every conceivable way and I ought to just stop. I have so much justification for just sitting idle on the sidelines of life and, and just sit there and wonder why I can't move forward at all. Now, I wonder how many of you are like me and you feel like you'd just be better off if you just give up. You, you've got dreams, you've got desires, you've got goals of your own, but you've also got flaws and you've got faults and your failures, and they keep you from diving head first into those dreams. As a matter of fact, they not only keep you from diving head first into those dreams, but they will often cause you to shrink back from those dreams, church. And today I'm telling you, this is not the hour, this is not the time, this is not the situation or the circumstance, whatever you're going through. It is not the time to shrink back. It is the time to stand in the boldness and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and say, by the help of my God, I can run through a troop. And by the help of my God, I can leap over a wall. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Come on, somebody. So, I'd be willing to guess, though, that there are those under the sound of my voice who have been disappointed in this life. You've been disappointed in this life. You, you've, you've had so many of those disappointments that have come in the form of letting your own self down. And you just feel, you feel, oh my gosh, that, that's one of our biggest problems as believers is how much reliance we place on what we feel how much feedback we receive from what we feel. Church, we're not called to walk in our feelings. We're called to walk according to the 
facts. And the fact is no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. The fact is God has called me to be the head and not the tail. The fact is that God has a plan and a purpose for my life. It is a plan to get, uh, for a future and a hope not to destroy me, but to prosper me. And I'm telling you today, church, that is God's plan and purpose for your life. Let me just be the first to say here to you that your feelings are the biggest liars on the planet. So today, if you're feeling like giving up, you understand that that is the enemy working through your emotions. It is not the will of God. It is not the plan or the purpose that he has for your life. Don't you give up right now in Jesus' name. Don't you give up. But, you know, we could all be perfectly honest here and say, listen, you know what, I've not always been completely satisfied with my life choices. I've not always, you know, walked away from every single challenge and been able to say, wow, you know what, I really feel like I nailed that one. I really feel like I've got it right. We can't always say, you know, I feel like I've studied my Bible as much as I should have. I feel like I've prayed as much as I could have. I feel like I responded in faith to every situation. I feel like I have reacted like a Christian in every confrontation. Of course not. We can't say that because we haven't. We do have shortcomings. We do have weaknesses. But because of these shortcomings and weaknesses, we become frustrated with ourselves and we falter. And sometimes we absolutely fail. And because of this, sometimes we do feel like giving up. But I want to remind you of this today. There's no reason to give up. Because God is not done with you yet. I don't know if you're watching this with anybody right now. Maybe you're watching live at 2.45. Maybe you're watching a replay this evening with your family. But however you're watching it, I just want you to look over at a neighbor right now. I don't care if you're in your office cubicle right now. Now, you don't need to be robbing from the boss, man. But if you're there with a coworker right now, just look over at them right now, wherever you are, and say, hey, God is not finished with me yet. If you're alone by yourself, I want you to type Type it in the chat right now and say, God is not finished with me yet. He's not done with me. He's not finished with the work in my life. I am confident that he who began a good work in me will complete it and I don't need to quit. So just, just let me know that right now. Let me know that God's not finished with you yet. Absolutely, because he's not. Now, sometimes... Sometimes there things happen and we just want to give up. The devil plays on things in our lives to beat us down. There are key times when you'll experience that you'll experience in life and during those times it is crucial that you don't give up. Now, there, there's a man in the Bible who stands as a great reminder and an encouragement to all of us. Someone that uh, is an example for us who failed who fell short of the glory, but continued to press on. And I hope that today uh, you leave this live stream with a word ringing in your heart that reminds you that God is not finished with you yet. First of those places, uh, if you have your Bible with you, access to the Scriptures, however you access those, I want you to turn with me to Luke's Gospel, chapter 5. And in the first 11 verses of Luke's Gospel, the fifth chapter, 
we read a story from, the, from a man. When I said earlier that I had a friend I was going to introduce to you, a man who serves as an example, that man was no less than the Apostle Peter. And I want to share with you just a, three excerpts from his life today that show us times when, when in life when we maybe feel like we have reason and we maybe feel like we have a good excuse, but we don't have the right to give up because God is not finished with us. First of those is that we need not give up when we're frustrated. We need not give up when we're frustrated. Luke chapter 5, those first 11 verses, it's that, it's that wonderful scene and setting when Jesus is by the seashore and he's gathered there and he's teaching the crowd of people and there are a crowd of people who are beginning to press around Jesus and they're beginning to close in on him and they're hungering to hear the words of the master. And finally Jesus steps into the boat of one Simon the fisherman and he's, he's there and he's 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 focusing on, on mending his nets, Peter is. He's been out all night fishing, and now he's up on the shoreline. He's mending those nets, and Jesus, the Messiah, steps into his boat. Now, what you really need to understand about this is that this is not Peter who's come in from a great successful night of fishing, and now he's having to mend his nets. No, no, no. His overhead is running up. His, his expenses are up and his income is down because it's like the old song we used to sing in the kids' church, Peter, James, and John in a sailboat fishing, and they fished all night, but they caught no fishes. So here's the thing. Listen to me, church. Peter's here, and he's fished all night. He's toiled. He's labored. He's frustrated. He's tired. He's weary, and he's on that shoreline, and he's, he's, he's casting those nets. He's mending those nets. And you know, one of the things sometimes that we may get hung up on is we, we miss the nuances and, and ask questions of the narrative that's not there. And one of the questions that we might ask of this narrative is, well, what was Jesus teaching on that day and how does that apply to my life situation? What was Jesus teaching on that day and how does that apply to my life situation? Well, I can tell you, whatever Jesus was teaching on that day was not the lesson that he had intended for us to receive because if that was the lesson intended by the Holy Spirit, we would have the content of Jesus' teaching on that day. But in, in chapter 4 of this narrative, we find the lesson of this, of this day, of this, of this setting here. And the lesson of this setting, this story is this, that Jesus stepped into the middle of Peter's frustration. Jesus stepped. Here's a man who's frustrated to his wit's end. Listen, for us, we think of, when we think about fishing, we think about taking our kids out. We think about a weekend activity, something that maybe we do in our spare time. But that wasn't the case for Peter. This is how he bought his family's groceries. This is how he kept a roof over his head and clothes on his back and all of the bills paid. This is how he met the necessities of life was by fishing. He was a professional fisherman by trade. 
And here he is, fished all night, and he's caught nothing. If you can just put yourself in this scenario for a minute. Maybe you've worked, you've toiled, you've labored. Maybe you're an entrepreneur and you've started a business and you've yet to take a salary from it. That's where Peter is. He's, he's in a business. It wasn't just Peter out fishing. It was Peter and company out fishing trying to make a living, trying to make a go of this business. And he's frustrated and he's tired. And all of a sudden, Jesus steps into his point of frustration and meets him there. He knew that Peter's, he knew Peter's desires and he knew his frustrations. And he met him there in that place and he said to Peter, hey, launch out into the deep. Launch out into the deep and let's go get a catch. Come on, man. Let's go, Pete. Let's go get a catch. Listen, he says, let down your nets. Now, you've got, to really, you've got to really think about this here with me for just a minute because Peter is a skilled and experienced fisherman. He is a fisherman by trade. It's his profession. And during Jesus' earthly life here, the first 30 years of his life, he labored with his earthly father in a carpenter shop. So here we have a carpenter giving fishing advice to a professional fisherman, as far as we can tell. But what Peter didn't know in that moment and what Peter was soon to find out is that this Jesus who was standing before him was the very creative voice of God. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and nothing that has been created was not created unless it was created through him. And here's the creator of heaven and earth standing in Peter's boat at the point of his frustration saying, let down your net. He was needing a catch. He was needing that. And, and, you know, Peter's processing all this in his mind. And I know maybe, maybe Peter was a little more saintly than I am, but I don't think so from the record that we have. But I know that in Peter's mind he was thinking to himself, how absurd. How absurd here that a carpenter from Galilee is going to step into my fishing boat, demand that I launch out. I've fished all night and I've caught no fishes. I've toiled and I've labored and I've caught nothing how absurd, I'm frustrated, I'm tired, I'm about to shoot a hole in the bottom of the boat, sink the whole mess, burn the nets and be done with it. I'm over it. Peter said, Master, we've toiled all night and we have taken nothing. He had visited the most abundant fishing holes. He had done everything the right way, yet there was still no catch. He is Simon Peter, the professional fisherman. And then all of a sudden here at this pivotal point, Peter says this word. And church, listen to me because this is the word you need to know. And this is the word in a season of frustration that you need to exercise. And you need to state over and over again. And you need to say it often. And that word was this. He said, Master, we have toiled all night and we have taken nothing Nevertheless, there it is, that's that word. Nevertheless, Lord, nevertheless, 
Look, this is what conventional wisdom and reason says. This is what professional protocol says. This is what years of study and science have said. This is what the stock market's indicating. This is what the marketplace is saying. But Lord, if you're saying to me to do it one more time, to give it one more day, to go at it one more time, then Lord, nevertheless, at your word... And nevertheless, at the word of Jesus, they cast those nets over one more time. And you know what? The times that we face, sometimes we're frustrated with life. We may be frustrated in our walk with the Lord. We may be frustrated by the pressures of life. And like Peter, you've prayed until your knees are calloused. You've claimed promises until you're tired of speaking them. And still your frustration remains. But when you've battled the enemy and it seems to no avail when that's when you need to say nevertheless lord at your word circumstances say there's no need to try but faith says try it one more time feelings say why don't you just give up why don't you just quit but faith says with god i am more than a conqueror the devil says you're no good and you'll never amount to much but god says if i am for you who is going to stand against you I'm speaking today to the business owner. That I'm speaking today to the one who's been laid off and don't know what's coming next. I'm, I'm speaking today to the ones who would say, I've done all that I know how to do and I don't know what else to do. I'm talking to you today. Just because you're frustrated right now is no reason to give up. It's no reason to give up. Don't give up on the brink of your miracle. Your blessing is right around the corner. Your blessing is on the way. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't shrink back. Don't turn around. Don't let go. Jesus will meet you at the point of your frustration. And here's the thing. I forgot to tell you this, but as Peter began to haul up that net at the command of Jesus, he began pulling in so many fish. It wasn't rational. It wasn't reasonable. It wasn't scientifically sound. But nonetheless, at the word of Jesus, Peter Peter began to pull so many blessings into his boat. He was about to drown in the blessing of God. The word says in, in Malachi chapter 10, God gives this promise and says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse. That's, that's the A part. But what I want to show you here is this. He said, and see, will I not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing in your life that you not be able to contain? That's exactly what's happening to Peter here. He's pulling in. He's hauling in the blessing of God so much so that his boat begins to sink and he has to call for his partners to come to his rescue. Hey, guys, come on out. We're taking in so many fish right now. We're about to go under. We're about to go under, under the weight of the blessing of God that's being poured poured out in our lives right now. And at the word of the Lord, Peter let down that net one more time and received a great catch. It may not seem like the right time for you. It may seem futile. It may feel worthless to do so. But have faith in the word of the Lord and don't ever give up. The second time that you and I need not to give up is when we faltered. That's right, faltered. F-A-L-T-E-R-E-D, faltered, when we faltered. And that's not a word that we use regularly, at least those who I converse with don't use that word very often. So I want to just give you a little garden variety definition of what that word means today. And that, that word falter means simply to lose strength or momentum. 
to lose strength or momentum. Now, something that is, is true to human nature is this, that we as human beings are very good at starting things. We are exceptionally well at starting because when we get ready to start something, we've had an idea, we've had a dream, we've had a vision, we've got a desire, and we want to we launch out into that thing. It's new, it's fresh, it's exciting, and we start a lot of things, but sometimes we have a hard time finishing what we started. We lose strength and we lose momentum. And such is the case oftentimes in our spiritual walk that we are excited and we're fervent and we're zealous about our spiritual walk and things that God is calling us to. But here's the interesting thing is this. What God calls us to, he calls us to by faith. He calls us to by faith. But we see it so many times in the Bible that Paul addresses this often in the New Testament, especially with the Galatian church, when he says to them this. He says, look, who, who has convinced you? Who has come again? Who has brought this delusion on you that what you began by faith you're now going to complete in the flesh. See, we go back to that human nature. We started off faith-filled, and we started off fervency, with fervency, and we started off zealously, but we're a little ways down the track, and now it seems like what God started in us by faith, we're now trying to complete by our own efforts and our own energies. And you know what? Sooner or later, sooner or later, that's going to give out. We've not been as passionate in our devotional life as we need to be. We've not, we've not pursued God in the way that we should. We've not been waiting on the Lord as we should have. And what happens in that, what happens in that moment when we've not been waiting, the Word says in Isaiah that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's a reliance on the Lord to say, God, you're the one. You're the one who started this in me. You'll be the one who finishes it in me. But sometimes we try to get in the flesh. We get in the flesh and we try to continue what God started in us in the spirit. And Jesus, in this occasion, Matthew 14 Jesus, again, has been teaching all day, and he's been ministering to the multitudes. And at the end of the day, he puts all his disciples in a boat, and he sends them across to the other side. And it says that he himself withdrew to a, a solitude, a solitary place to pray. And he was going to meet them on the other side. But as they were along that route, Jesus prayed until the fourth watch of the night. It was the darkest time of the day. And in that, in that time frame, as the disciples were crossing over the water and they were going to the other side, there arose a great storm. And in the middle of that storm, this is a storm that was so fierce that here we have skilled fishermen. I mean, they're used to being on the water. These aren't, these aren't land lovers. These are people that were often on the water, regularly on the water. They'd been through storms before, but this storm was causing them anxiety. This storm was causing them fear. This storm was causing them distress. And, and they're, they're here in this moment. The lightning's flashing. The thunder's clapping. The waves are beating boisterously. And these skilled fishermen grow anxious. 
Yet in that fourth watch, that darkest hour of the storm, when it seemed like destruction was sure, they see something come and walk in on the water. At first they think it's a ghost, but then in verse 27, Matthew 14, Jesus calls out. Jesus calls out to them, and he says, Hey, do not be afraid, it is I. I want to tell you something today, church. You may be facing a storm. You may be going through a hard time right now. It may seem like there are things around you that are ominous and threatening, and if something doesn't change and if something doesn't happen, you're about to break apart. Your ship is about to break apart and go down, and you're going to suffer loss. But I want to tell you something. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open because Jesus can come walking on the waves of your adversity and inserting him himself right into the moment of your hardship and he can speak to you and say don't be afraid it is I fear not it is I and then when they recognize that oh so familiar voice and they hear the voice of the master as he's there walking on the winds and the waves Peter then says oh Lord if that is you If that is you, bid me to come and I'll walk on the water with you. I'll walk over this adversity. I'll walk over this storm. I'll walk on these hardships. If that's you, and Peter said, bid me come, Jesus said, well, come on, Peter. Come on, step out of the boat, Peter. Come and walk to me. And that's exactly verse 29, what happens. And you know, some people say that Peter walked on the water. And I'm just going to tell you this, that's not exactly accurate. It's not accurate to say that Peter walked on the water. And here's why I say this, because we all know how this story goes. Peter steps out, he takes a few steps on the water. I don't know exactly how far away it was. I don't know how far away Jesus was. Uh, But nonetheless, Peter steps out of the boat and he begins to seemingly walk on the water. And the reason I say that that is not what actually happened is this. If the water had ever been able to hold Peter up, the water would have continued holding Peter up. You see... If, if I were to illustrate this for you today, I would bring a stool here and I would set it on this platform and I would take a seat on that stool. And, and because the physical properties of the stool is such that it will hold me up, I can set in here, the winds outside may blow, the winds outside may, may, may howl and the storm may rage, but it doesn't matter what my thought processes are, it doesn't matter where my faith is, I can still set on the stool because the physical properties of the stool are such and the structure of the stool is such that it will hold me up. But you see... Peter's ability to get out of that boat and walk towards Jesus weren't based on the physical properties of the water. They were based on the word of the Lord. You see, it wasn't water. It wasn't water when Peter stepped out of that boat that he began to walk on. What Peter walked on when he stepped out of the boat was the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord. When Jesus said, come unto me, that is what Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on. But he took his eyes 
eyes off of what Jesus had said and begin to contemplate the physical impossibilities of him actually walking on. There's some of you right now that God has called you to things in your life. God has called you to things in your business. God has called you to ministries. And you want to so badly get out of the boat and begin walking to the place of Jesus calling in your life. But you can't estimate the physical structure that's going to hold you up to move you from point A to point B. But let me tell you this today, church. Where the Word of God calls you, the Word of God will sustain you every step of the way. You don't have to sink. You don't have to settle in. You don't have to falter. You can stand firm in the Word of the Lord knowing that where the Word of God calls you, the Word of God is going to sustain you. He called on Jesus. You know, here's what could have happened in that moment. If Peter had just said, oh my goodness, I I have faltered here. I've lost my strength. I've lost my ability to to seemingly walk here on this water. If he had just said that and that was the end of it, Peter would have sank to the bottom of the sea. We wouldn't know anything else of Peter. He would have been gone from the pages of history right there that moment. But listen, God wasn't finished with him. God wasn't finished with him in that moment. God wasn't finished with Peter in that moment. And fortunately, in that moment, Peter knew what to do. In verse 30, we read it. It says, and he called out on Jesus, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and pulled him up. Now, along this pathway of faith, we are, we are bound to falter. But praise God, we have an advocate with the Father. And when you have faltered, when you've lost strength, when you've lost the stamina, when you've lost the will to go on, don't give up and don't throw in the towel. Call on Jesus. 1 John 1, 9 says this. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen, immediately, verse 31, Jesus stretched forth his hand. He said, son, I know that you've fallen short. I know that you're sinking in distress. I know that you lack the power to carry this on in yourself And I'm going to grant, I'm going to impart the power right now. And he stretched out his hand and he pulled Peter up. Listen to me, church. There's a third time when the temptation to just, just quit and give up is on the line so intently. And that time is this. Don't give up when you failed. When you failed. Matthew chapter 26 Matthew chapter 26, you know, sometimes, can I just be honest with you? Sometimes we're a little more than weak in the faith. Sometimes it's, it's not just that we've seemingly lost our strength or we've, you know, kind of grown a little lukewarm in our, in our walk and in our pursuits of the things of the Lord. Sometimes we just absolutely fail. I mean, we just, we get it wrong. I mean, it's just wrong And we find one such instance in Matthew 26. Again, this is the life of Peter. Oh, the disciples were gathered with Jesus previously, and Jesus began to question them, and he said to them, he said to his disciples, he said, who do men say that I am? Who do men say that I am? And and 
Peter, uh, they begin to say, you know, some people say you're Elijah, some people say John the Baptist, some people say this and people say that and people say another thing and people will say whatever people will say. But then Jesus asks this piercing question and he says to that group of people, he says, but who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And Peter, Peter, that bold, brash Peter, He said, Lord, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I declare it right now in the presence of God and in the presence of this people. You are the promised Messiah. And Jesus said, hey, blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but the Spirit of God. It was a a prophetic, it was an anointed prophetic Utterance. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, you are right on time, spiritually speaking. You are right on time. You know exactly. You've had a revelation of the Holy Ghost. You know exactly who I am. You've nailed it. You identified it. Fast forward just a little bit from that point, and we find Jesus in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there he's praying and he's seeking the face of his father. And he's praying and saying, Father, if there's any way to let this cup pass from me, then then let it be. Let, Let me out of this if there's any way. But nonetheless, Father, not my will but yours be done. And Jesus has no sooner prayed that prayer than the evening sky begins to fill with the light of torches as the soldiers are coming to to apprehend him, to take him away, to stand false trials and to be executed executed for crimes that he hadn't done. And the fiercest contender in that moment was a man named Peter. And Peter said, oh no, you're not taking my Jesus. You're not taking my Jesus without a fight. Oh no, sir. The most valiant among them, Peter, said, listen, hey, I'm going to go OG on you. If you don't let go of my Jesus, I'm going to lop your ear off. And lop the ear off he did of the high priest's servant. Just a few hours later, however, Peter is standing with a crowd of onlookers who are there witnessing the trials of Jesus. And in that moment, in that moment, there are people that come out and they say, oh, wait a minute, hey, you're, you're one of those Galileans. You're, you're one of those You're one of those disciples of this. You follow this man. You're with him. And Peter said, no, 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 mm, no. Case of mistaken identity. Uh, I just kind of blew in with the wind. I'm certainly not here with him. You know, I, I forgive you for your mistake, but I'm not one of those. A second time this happens. A second time this happens. And again, Peter denies Peter denies and says, oh, no, 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 wrong guy, wrong guy, wrong group. I belong to group C over here, not this, not this group. No, not A, not B, over here in C. I'm not one of those. No. Mm-mm. A third time. A third time Peter is confronted with his identity and his identification with Christ. And that third time Peter becomes irate and he swears and he curses and he vehemently denies any association with Jesus. Can I tell you something, believer? There are times in our lives when there's so much about us that testifies we don't know him. 
we know him not. We, we haven't interacted with people in a Christ-like way. We haven't treated family in a Christ-like way. And we've just absolutely blown it. I mean, you ever, you ever walk away from some of those situations and go, you know what, that wasn't even weakness. That was just, that was just outright flesh. And I have failed so badly. I failed so badly that I, I just don't know how I could ever recoup from that. And it's in those moments when we have failed that the adversary will come into your life and he will whisper in your mind and into your thoughts, hey, you know what, you really did blow it. You really did blow it. Now, why don't you just give up? Why don't you just turn back? Why don't you just quit? Why, don't, why are you going to church? Why are you reading your Bible? Why are you praying? Why are you witnessing to people? There's no need for you to witness to people anyway. You're such a hypocrite. Nobody wants to hear anything you've got to say about Jesus. And he wants us to quit and he wants us to give up. And what should Peter do here? What should Peter do here in this moment? Should he give up? Should he just go back to full-time fishing? Well, the rest of Peter's life, as it's recorded in the Gospels and through the book of Acts, we, we never do find in Peter a man that is void of faults, a man that never messes up, a man that never, ever makes mistakes. But what we do find in Peter is a man that is used mightily of God. Mightily of God. On the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God falls. Peter is emboldened by the Spirit of God to go out and preach to the multitude. And on that day, on the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches and 3,000 people are saved in that moment. Another time, Peter preaches again and 5,000 are saved. Another time, at other times, people were set by the roadway so that the shadow, Peter's very shadow might pass over them and that they might be healed as a result of Peter's shadow passing over them. Because here's the deal. Before Jesus ever walked by a seashore and saw this rough and tumble and ragged fisherman and said, follow me, long before he ever uttered the words and called Peter away, long before he ever stepped into Peter's boat in the middle of his frustrations, long before that, Jesus already knew who Peter was. He knew what Peter was about. He knew his faults. He knew his shortcomings. He knew all of his failures and all of his tendencies, but he loved Peter and he had a purpose and a plan for Peter and he never gave up on it. And here's what I want to tell you today, church. God knew your flaky self before he ever called you. That's right. God knew all of your shortcomings. God knew all of your faults. God knew all of your failures. He knew that you were going to be in the middle of a pandemic in 2020. He knew that you were going to be in the middle of social unrest in 2020. He knew that you were going to be confronted by so many of the things that you're confronted with right now and all of the hardships. But even still, He has not give up on the design for your life. He has not give up on the plan for your life, even when you haven't responded to these things like you should. Even when you have not always manifested and exhibited Christ's likeness, He has never given up on you. He knew you before you were knit together in your mother's womb, and yet He still had a blueprint and a purpose for your life. You see, here's the thing. Too often are the times that we are associated and we acknowledge Jesus as the author of our faith, 
We acknowledge him as the author of our faith, but we also need to acknowledge him as the finisher of our faith. Paul wrote to the church and said this, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. God saw all of Peter's flaws before he ever called him. None of your frustrations, none of your failures has ever caught God off guard. He has a plan for your life, and I am encouraging you today, church, never give up. Never give up. Never, never, never give up. I want to share with you the story here of uh, a very familiar figure in history by the name of Sir Winston Churchill. In the days of Winston Churchill's youth, he attended a preparatory school by the name of Harold Preparatory Academy. Now, you might think that such a powerful and prominent figure of history and such a well-accomplished man was probably a prodigy through his childhood and that he was probably just teacher's pet and straight-A student and all those things. But the truth of the matter is, this young man attended this preparatory academy. He was in the bottom third of his class. The expectations for his achievement were very low, but eventually he did graduate and then he went on to attend the university. And later in life, he served with the British military in India and in Africa. And at the age of 65 years old, he was elected to the office of British Prime Minister. And Churchill's tenure as the Prime Minister of Great Britain was a traumatic time in the history of the nation. It was during the difficult years of World War II, a time when Britain's defeat seemed imminent and the odds were stacked against them. Nevertheless, time and time again, Churchill would rally the troops. And people of God, I am here today to rally the troops. I want to read to you here a speech that Churchill once gave. And in the, in the face of insurmountable odds, he stood before his house of representatives and he said this, I would say to the house, as I said to those who have joined this government, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. We have before us an ordeal of the most grievous kind. We have before us many, many long months of struggle and suffering. And you ask, what is our aim? Oh my God, I can tell you the answer in one word. Victory, victory at all costs. Victory is the answer. Victory in spite of all terror. Victory however long and hard the road may be. For without victory there is no survival. I'm telling you church today the adversary is going about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's trying to perish the child of God and rob you of your victory. And get you to give up and get you to play dead so you can be devoured. But that's not God's plan for your life. Don't give up. Don't give up. Victory at all costs. Victory no matter how hard. Victory is our aim. Victory in spite of all terror. Listen, listen, listen. Near the end of Churchill's tenure as the prime minister, he was invited to return to Harold Preparatory School. And they asked him to come there and speak to the student body. And that the three old headmaster of that of that academy ran around and he announced to the student body days before Churchill's arrival. And this is how he addressed his student body. He said, in a few days, the prime minister is going to be visiting our school. He is probably the greatest orator of our time, 
perhaps of all time, and it would behoove you gentlemen to take extensive notes of this address. And I'm going to share this address with you right now in just a minute. And I'm going to say the same thing the headmaster did. It would behoove you to take extensive notes. I hope you've got a notepad open on your iPhone. I hope you've got a pencil and pad ready. I hope you've got some little sticky notes to put up on your bathroom mirror in the morning. I hope you've got some to put up on your refrigerator to remind yourself. I hope you'll put it up on the rear view mirror, the dashboard of your car so that you see it everywhere that you go. So here they are. The day of the address has come and the, 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 the prime minister is visiting the campus and the excitement is high. And the headmaster of the school gets up at the assembly and he gives this flattering introduction to, to Winston Churchill. And then Churchill comes up and he takes the podium and he acknowledges the gracious introduction that, he, that he's received there. And then in a moment he, he clears his throat and he gets ready to prepare that speech. And this is what he says. He says to that crowd of young men that day, he said, young gentlemen, never give up. Never give up. Never, 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 never. And with that word, he turned and took his seat again. That's all he had to say to a generation of people who were coming behind him. Is listen, life ain't always easy. Everything's not always handed to you. But I will tell you this. Victory is yours in the name of Christ Jesus. Victory has already been won for you. But it's up to you to enforce the victory that you've been given. Don't you roll over before your enemy and play dead. Don't you give up on your destiny. Don't you let go of your dream. Don't you pass up on the goal that God has birthed in your heart. Don't you let go of the strong hand of Jesus, but you hang on all the way up the rough side of the mountain, all the way through the darkest and deepest valleys. Even as you cross the deepest waters, you hang on to the mighty hand of God and don't you ever give up. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. I wonder that day when Churchill was there what he saw. When he looked over that crowd, he saw no doubt the youth of his nation. Maybe he saw potential of that emerging generation. He saw the future. But not only did he see all that, but he also saw the great obstacles that were going to be standing in the way of this great generation. He saw the trials that were ahead, but he saw the great exploits that were waiting on the other side. And I want to tell you something every Sunday morning, every Monday afternoon on a live stream, what I envision in my mind and what I see seated in this sanctuary before me week after week is potential. I see the design of God. I see the blueprint of a life of faith that leads God's people to a place of victory. And I want to tell you something today, church. I see the people who were dead in their trespasses and sins. And God has called you out of darkness to show forth the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. I see people who are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who love them. I see vessels for the anointing of the Holy Spirit empowered to shake this world for the kingdom of God and be the representatives of Christ here in this world. I see people for whom God has a plan. Jeremiah 29, 11, a plan to prosper you and not to harm you, a plan to give you a future and a hope. And to this people today, on a Monday afternoon, I encourage you, don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. I know that the tensions are high. I know that the stress is high. 
I know that the anxieties are soaring in your life right now as you're wondering where this layoff ends and where these closures end. I know you're worried about your business. I know you're worried about your retirement accounts. I know that you're worried about your portfolios. I know that you're worried about your kids. And I know that you're worried about your health and your security and your welfare. And I know you may be afraid to go downtown. But listen to me, church. Don't ever give up. Keep the faith. Stand sure in the Word of God because where the Word of the Lord calls you, the Word of the Lord will sustain you. Where the Word of God calls you, the Word of God will sustain you, church. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. Keep the faith. Press on in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for you today. If you're watching this broadcast today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, I want to invite you to contact us here at the church by sending us an email to faith uh, info at faith-assembly.org or either you can just message us right here on this Facebook page. You can even drop it in the chat as this live stream's going out and just say, hey, would you pray for me to receive Christ? We would love to get some of our pastoral team in touch with you and walk you through to a brand new relationship and journey in Christ Jesus. But we love you so much and we're praying for you during these difficult times and we're praying that the hand of God would be upon your life and that when the, when the swell of, of discouragement comes against your life, that God would just raise up a standard of encouragement for you and that you'd be able to carry on in the name of Jesus. Now, for those of you today that, that know Jesus, that you're walking with the Lord, you're not exempt. I know you know this. You're not exempt from the onslaught of the adversary and that voice of discouragement to speak to you constantly. And listen, I know you're frustrated. I know that sometimes we falter and we, we're not it's super Christian that we think we should be. And I know sometimes we even outright fail. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But listen, Jesus already knew about all of that before he ever called you and said, hey, would you be a representative of my light and my life here in the world? Would you be my ambassador to a lost and dying world? He already knew all about it. There's no reason for you to be discouraged today, child of God. There's no reason for you to shrink back from God's calling in your life. God has a plan and God has a purpose for you. And I encourage you today in the name of Jesus to pursue it hotly and pursue it zealously. Because if there's anything that the adversary fears, it is a child of God who is in tune and in touch with God's calling and purpose for their lives and who also has the tenacity to pursue it to its end. So I'm praying for you today that God will give you strength. Let me pray for you before we get off of, of this broadcast today and just encourage you. Father, I come to you in the strong name of Jesus. And Lord, I lift everyone under the sound of my voice today to you. God, whatever they're going through, maybe they're going through family issues. Maybe they're facing financial hardships. Maybe they're facing attacks in their spiritual walk. Maybe they have concerns about their careers and their workplaces and the security of, of their families moving forward from this point. Father, I just pray, God, that you would just impart to them right now, Lord, a, a spirit, a spirit of stick with itness, Lord, a spirit of, of, of can't stop, won't stop moving forward, God, and that you would propel their lives to higher places in Christ Jesus. And Father, we love you today and we thank you for your goodness and we thank you for your never failing supply and that you are an ever present help in the time of trouble. And God, I pray for each one that fits that category today who feels despair and who feels despondent, Lord, that you would show up in the middle of their frustrations. 
God, that you would stretch a hand out to them to extend strength in their faltering. And oh God, that you would remind them again, God, that you have not, they have not failed so badly that you are, they are beyond your redemptive power. And God, I just pray a special strength and anointing in their lives in Jesus' name. Bless and keep them, I pray, until the day of your appearing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you, church. We want to invite you that anytime you're welcome to join us here live. We are having live in-person services every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., 1045 a.m. right here, 5005 Corey Road. And we do also live stream these services on Sunday morning. So we invite you to join us anytime. As always, we pray God's blessing upon your life, and I pray that you have a Jesus-filled week. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.